This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. You're listening to our current Sunday morning series, Who Are We? Our message today is going to take us to, to many different stops within God's Word. As we think about Christmas, first, if you will, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18 and following. As we think about this week and next week, uh, I do want to remind you that Christmas Day, we will be having services here at 1045. We will not have Sunday school. Uh, We will not have an evening service, but we will have our morning worship. Uh, We'll have a nursery for our small children, but we will not have our children's church Uh, And so we're encouraging an environment that we come as a family and that we sit as a family and worship together. And so utilize Christmas Day even. It's a great opportunity to encourage those that may not be involved with the church or have not been active in a church for many years and struggling where they are with their relationship with the Lord. It's a great opportunity to invite someone to be part of what we are doing. Because if we're not careful, we, we take Christmas, and it's so easy to do, Anybody do any shopping this weekend? Uh, I made the mistake of going both to a Walmart and a mall this weekend. Crazy people. Uh, And I was in the midst of them. And we get so busy and we get so wrapped up in Christmas that I think it's so easy to forget what Christmas is all about. What is the significance of baby Jesus being born in that manger? And I'll go ahead and tell you, it's about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's that people can understand they need a Savior. It is that people can understand that he was born and he did live and he did die. He did conquer death. He rose again. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. Christmas is about the message of Christ and our need for forgiveness of sin and our need of that relationship with God that was destroyed in the beginning to be reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. I want to read in Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, and we'll stop there. I mentioned this at our Christmas cantata the other night. If we look at those words, Jesus... The Lord is salvation, Christ, the anointed one. As we even look at his name, we understand that the need and the great meaning behind his birth was salvation. That Christ, who who he is, the gospel, salvation. And it took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, a righteous man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, as he listened to the Holy Spirit, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. You shall call his name the Lord is salvation. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet in Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, and they will bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we thank you. For the name above all names, Jesus. The Lord is salvation. Lord, we're grateful that we live in a world in such need of the gospel. We're grateful that we have an opportunity to hear and believe and trust in and receive this gospel. That we have the opportunity to to live this gospel out and to share this gospel. And so, Lord, as we think about, as we celebrate, as we ponder your birth this season, let us truly understand what it means to us. Let us understand the need we have to believe it, to live it out, and to share it. This message that the Lord is salvation. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to walk through the gospel this morning. I think a lot of times in our culture, we take for granted what the gospel is. A lot of us have grown up in church. A lot of us have been around church. A lot of us, even in the world that we live in, uh, we may have co-workers or friends that maybe don't go to church, but they, they understand what the message is all about. We have a, a, a baby that was born. We have uh, we have a cross. We know what happened on that cross. We have Easter. We know what that means. We, we understand the things of the message, but do we really have a comprehension of the message? Do we really have that assurance that we know that we are right with God? None of us are going to be perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. There's nowhere in Scripture does it say that a believer is to be perfect. So when I mean by are we right with God, do we have a relationship with God? Do we know that we have trusted in Jesus Christ? Do we know that we have trusted in the Lord is salvation and we know that we are a believer? We have identified with the church. We know our heart is right. I think we'd all would be amazed and alarmed and saddened by the lack of assurance so many people have. The aim of this message this morning is I don't want you to leave here this morning without assurance. I don't want you to not know that you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. There may be some here this morning that you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but the Lord is leading you to identify with this church. I think there will probably be those that would be here today that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And every time you read the Gospels and you read about baptism, you know that you need to follow through with the baptism. 
and profess Christ in that way. I don't know where any of us are spiritually except myself, but I do want you to know that you can truly understand that Jesus Christ is the Lord of salvation. You don't have to turn to all these scripture references. If you want to just at least write them down, they'll be on on our slides. I want us to consider Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It is my, my favorite verse to use when I am sharing with someone what the gospel is. You'll notice even on, on Sunday mornings, I'll issue a time of response. I'm going to issue a time of response tonight. I mean, today after the preaching, I'm not going to preach to tonight. That just made you nervous, didn't it? It's not about just coming down an aisle and and me spending a few seconds and asking you a couple of questions and all that, I look at salvation very seriously. I think that wherever you're sitting in a church, I gave my heart to Christ. I don't know exactly where it was. Being a good Baptist, I did walk down to the front of the church and tell my pastor, I don't think I got saved there. I don't think there was anything magical I did there that got me saved. I might have very well been saved in a youth group that week. It might have been me sitting in the balcony of the church that night, regardless of exactly where it took place. But there was a point in a time that we must repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ. And we need to respond. I use an altar call as a time to, for me to know as the shepherd of this church, what's God doing in your life? And you'll hear me say that if you're here today and you don't have an assurance of your salvation or you're here today and you know that today or, or recently you've opened up your heart in faith and you've become a believer and a follower of Christ, I want you to come today and share that decision with me so that I can sit down with you and get in the Word. And this is where we go. It is the greatest verse to me to begin to dialogue with someone about the assurance of their salvation and the hope that we all need to have in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is not of your own self. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice those first few verses. For by grace. Isn't grace a wonderful word? God doing something for us we did not deserve. Do you know that our salvation, we do not deserve our salvation. You know what we do deserve? We, do, we deserve the separation that is there between someone that does not know Christ and someone that does know Christ. That is what we deserve. We'll look at that in just a moment. That is what we deserve. Grace is not getting what we deserve. Now, there are a thousand different examples that we can give on an earthly basis of what grace is. I, I like this one a lot. Husband, look at your wife right now. That's grace. Amen? I think of my children. That's grace to me. I think of uh, uh, anything that God has called me to do. That is grace. 
Anything that the desires to pastor a church is grace, to, to have a job is grace, to have your, all the things that we have this side of heaven. It's just a small understanding of grace. Things that we have that we don't deserve. We don't deserve the things that we have. I think about being born in America. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I didn't have any choice where I was born, correct? I mean, I, I wasn't up in wherever and saying, you know what? I think I'd like to be born in, in, in America. No, but I was. What a blessing that is to me. That's grace. That we can live and breathe and have a being. That's grace. But have you ever thought about your salvation? That's grace. Not getting what we deserve, but getting what we don't deserve. By grace through faith. I want us to take that word grace, and we're going to look at G-R-A-C-E. This is the way I share the gospel. I take the word of God to share the word of God. That's simple, isn't it? Grace. What does grace mean? How can we experience and know that we have experienced the grace of God? That we know that we are a child of the Lord. That we understand the Lord Jesus is salvation. Look at that first letter in grace, G. You'll see the scriptures there, and I'm going to reference the scriptures, but you don't necessarily need to turn and follow there for the sake of time. You may if you wish. Here's what we need to understand about what Christ came to do. When Christ came and was born in that manger, it wasn't about him in the manger. It wasn't about Mary and Joseph. It wasn't about the shepherds. It wasn't about the wise man. It wasn't about me and you as much as it was about heaven and all the things. You ever notice when you think about salvation, we'll, we'll say something like this. You need to be saved so your life will be better. You need to be saved so that you can go to heaven. You need to be saved so that void in your life will be filled. Where all of these things we do understand, salvation brings these things Let me tell you where salvation begins. God. Salvation and grace should always begin with God. Why is that? Because in the beginning, who created the heavens and earth? God did. Genesis 1-1 reminds us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The gospel is always a gospel about God, who he is, what he has done, he is righteous. One of the things when I think about theological things I love, one of the things I really strive to do with with theological bullets of my ministry, to make God great. Isn't that a fun way of saying God, who God is? At the end of the day, I I just want to know that part of my, my preaching and teaching was to point people to the greatness of God. Do you believe we serve a great God? He created everything that we have. We owe everything we have to God. This is His. And I think sometimes the way we live our life in fear and trembling and discontent and lack of joy and no peace and just absolute confusion, we're living a life where we're denying there is a God. The first of the Bible in Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, it was God that created. Aren't you glad that he did that? But you know, the last book of the Bible also talks about God. 
Revelation 4, 8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. 4, 11 of Revelation, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. What I love about Revelation chapter 4, we go to Revelations 1 through 3 and, and the Lord in a way that only he can in Revelation, it says, John, I want you to come up here. I want to give you a little peek into heaven and so revelation 4 we go to the letter to the churches and god tells john i want you to write something down but before you start writing i want to show you something i want to give you a little look into what the glory and heaven and the splendor of god is all about and what did john write see a lot of people i disagree with this and this is definitely not a and in times, a lot of people read Revelation 4 and they go, and that's the church being raptured up. Listen, don't, don't give us that much credit. Revelation 4 is not about us and the church going somewhere. Revelation 4 is about what's taking place in heaven. John went up and he got to see the control room of heaven. And they are worshiping God for his holiness and his righteousness. Joy and I talk a lot about worship, and people worship differently. I love worship and singing and being able to come and to do what we do. Now, I don't, I try not to do it very loud. I try to not bother people around me because I'm a little paranoid. I don't sound as good as some of you do. But you know what I viewed? You know how I viewed? And I, you know, I, I got thinking about this morning. I, Cher and I were riding over from Longboat Key. We, you know, I don't have a, I don't normally drive over on Sunday mornings from Longboat Key, but we drove over from Longboat Key, and I was looking at the weather here. And Cher said, it feels kind of humid here. I said, it does. I said, what, what's the humidity here? And in scrolling, you know what it is in St. Cloud, Minnesota this morning as I scrolled my smartphone? Negative 25 actual temperature. We had church riding in the road. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> but this is what we automatically segue to the moment we talk about our wonderful time in Minnesota. And I mean that very seriously. We had to learn what worship is. Because it wasn't necessary. I'm not the pastor anymore. I have no control over it. And we would visit churches and visit churches and visit churches. And some worship was what I like to worship. Some worship's not what I like to worship. Could you think how sad it would be for me to leave a worship service? I didn't like that. Check that off the box. I didn't like that. Worship to me is having the privilege to come and to sing, you are worthy. You are worthy. It's not about my taste, my genre, my likings. We gather on Sunday mornings because of God. You know what we do when we leave these doors? After we sing and after we hear the preaching of His Word, we honor and glorify Him because He is worthy. When we're at Walmart and we're exposed, I always use Walmart because it's just Walmart. You want to know where you live? You want to know your culture? You want to know your setting? Go shopping. Go to the store. That's it. And we look around and we may see things we do like and we don't like and people and different people and not so different people. And we have to remind ourselves, He is worthy. He is worthy because He is God. 
My life is my life because he is worthy. You are worthy, O Lord. You are worthy to receive this because you are God. He's not the good old man upstairs. He's not a happy granddaddy sitting up in his rocker up in heaven. He is God. He is the beginning and the end, the creator of everything that we see, and he is worthy of our praise and adoration. Matthew chapter 4 reminds us, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Sometimes in our life, I think we give God what's left over. Amen? Or no me. Instead of giving God our best, we give God what's left over. We do it practically the way we live our life. We do it practically the way we give to the, to the missions of the church. We do it practically by the things that we do. But I think it, the culture of our heart, we, we just, instead of giving God our life, we try to give him what's left over. Our life should be consumed with serving and worshiping God for who he is. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Why? Because he is God. If we can't love God that way, we don't know who God is. If we can't love God that way, then we haven't met Jesus Christ. It makes us loving God that way possible. We can't expect the world to get that, but we should get it. We ought to be the most glorious, happiest, worshiping, worthy, holiness, God-seeking people on the face of the earth because we get it. We know what that manger means. We know what that cross means. We know what the gospel is. The gospel is a message about God and His glory. But secondly, are. It's not very popular it's not a very nice thing to say to people. Couldn't we? Wouldn't it be great if we just stopped with God is love? If God is love and there's nothing wrong with us, we didn't need Jesus. Jesus didn't come to be a cute little baby in a manger. Jesus didn't come to be our Savior mediating for the Father. Jesus came to die an ugly death on the cross for our sin. That's what makes the gospel so glorious. Rebellion. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We know that. The standard is God. That's the measuring rod. The plumb bob is God. We're off kilter. We know that God is perfect. So for all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go back and look at Genesis. What was the penalty for this sin that entered into humanity? Death, a physical death, a spiritual death, and separation. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Jokingly. I asked someone if they'd gotten their pastor present yet. You know, have you ever heard of that? It's in Leviticus. Don't look for it now. It's like it's under the old covenant it was giving to the priest, the new covenant, pastor presents, I call them. I always tell the kids, have y'all got your pastor present yet? And so one of the person that I said this to quickly straightened me out, Hannah Loomis. And she said, you are missing what Christmas is all about. 
I said, almost missing it. Maybe I don't need a gift for Christmas. That's what Christmas is not all about. But I did say this. Don't you love giving a gift and seeing someone happy to receive a gift that you've given? Can you think of a greater gift that God has given us than his son? He gave us his son. He gave us the gift of forgiveness. He gave us something that we could never do on our own. There's nothing in us that can appease the wrath of God. There's nothing that we can do to make us sinless. I've tried to be sinless. I've tried to be perfect. Have you ever tried that? It doesn't last very long. God knew that we could not be sinless and perfect. Even though we know God is holy and righteous and we know what we need to be doing, we can never do it. That's what the law did. We could never do it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2.1, Scripture reminds us that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We can never take away the need that someone has for salvation. Just take the word itself, because in some circles, we never preach on the blood of Jesus Christ anymore. You should never talk about the ugliness of the cross anymore. Everything needs to be packaged in niceness. God is good. Don't talk about blood. Don't talk about repentance. Don't talk about these things. We have to be dead if we're going to be alive. The name itself, Jesus, is the Lord. So it, it's funny. I, I love talking to other pastors that I disagree with about this stuff. How can, when you preach Jesus, you are preaching, you need to be saved. The word itself, Jesus, means the Lord is salvation. If I need to be saved, then that means something's wrong. That's what makes salvation so wonderful. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see Jesus is salvation. Do you think, do you notice the video? I love videos. I love, I love the little mission videos. David Platt's doing a phenomenal job with the videos. Was that not cool to see the guy look over his shoulder and go, thank you for your giving every Wednesday morning I get to? That's cool to me. Do you think he's over there just so he can be a missionary? Do you think he's over there just because it's cool to be over there? Or do you think every one of them over there because they realize that without the gospel of Jesus Christ, every one of those kids, every one of those parents, every one of their neighbors, every one of their co-workers are going to hell without the gospel? I can't explain why somebody would want to go do that unless they understood what salvation is all about. The letter A, atonement. Why atonement? Because it starts with A. G-R-A, forgiveness. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness is only available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You know, that's one of the things I think why it's so important that we preach the sense of law and grace that we have to continue. Like D.L. Moody used to always say, and D.L. Moody was an old-time preacher back in the day, you got to get a man lost before you can get him saved. There's a lot of truth to that. We gotta, someone's got to understand that the issue in their heart, the issue in their life is, is them, but the only way that's going to be fixed is through the gospel. When you, when you tell somebody, hey, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, what do I do next? I have no idea. That'd be depressing. You're going to hell. How can I fix that? I don't know. You're lost, but here's how you can be found. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but Christ came. We preach sin so that we can preach grace. We preach rebellion so we can preach forgiveness. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not, what, perish but have everlasting life. They are perishing, but that's what forgiveness is all about. When we offer a time of response, when we share the gospel, what we are doing is we're laying out the gospel. And when they're on the mission field, they are proclaiming the gospel and they're providing the hope of forgiveness through Christ. God does love the world. Is everybody going to heaven? No. Is everybody going to hell? No. Are there things about the love of God that I can't grasp? I always am nervous at saying that because I don't ever want you to think I doubt Scripture. God so loved the world, but we still are sick and have diseases. God so loved the world, but every day something happens I didn't wish happened. For God so loved the world, but there have been many times as a pastor, I've had to go to a children's hospital. I don't, want to, I don't like that, okay? If I was God, we wouldn't have children's hospital. Why? Children wouldn't get sick. Does that take away from God's love? No. If God is love, why do bad things happen? That's what the world says. But I tell you, we have to stand on Scripture. For God so loved the world, and the love is not based on what's going on down here. What's going on down here is rebellion. We learned that in Genesis chapter 3. What makes God's love for the world so strong is the gospel. That he did make a way. He did send his son. We do have an old rugged cross. We do have an empty tomb. That is what makes love, love. God does love the world. He hates sin. But he loves the world. And he gave his son that we don't have to perish. That's what makes the gospel so wonderful. We don't have to perish. Because he gave us his son. That whoever believes, should not perish, but have everlasting love. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, guess what happened? Christ died for us. Oh, that's a great message, isn't it? When you look in the in your eyeball to eyeball, and I, what I always like to say, eyeball to eyeball and heart to heart, that means you're getting serious in the conversation. You're eyeball to eyeball and heart to heart with somebody, and you start talking about the glory and grace of God, and you start talking about their need of salvation. When you start talking about what Christ has done while they are sinners, that's where it gets good, doesn't it? That's when we get excited that we can share with somebody, but we don't have to be separated from God. We can be saved. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning that's struggling with that. 
that you know that you don't have a relationship with Christ. You'd be surprised the number of people have alluded to and actually shared pointedly, I cannot be saved, I have done this. You don't know what I'm capable of. You don't know what I've done. No, I I really don't. You'd be surprised, I really do. But God does. He knows what you're capable of. But he also knows what his son has provided. Forgiveness. The letter C. We must respond and receive by faith. We must repent of our sin. We must place our faith in Christ. We must place our faith and trust in Christ. And we must give our life over to him. Conversion. You see in Scripture the word repentance. The word repentance. And people say, well, why do we have to harp so much on repentance? And I always tell people, because God does. It's a biblical word. Never need to, by the way, we never need to shy away from biblical words. They're God's words. You know what repentance means? To turn from and to turn to. I'm living this way, I'm separated from God and I see that and I'm turning from this and I'm turning to that. The message of repentance and conversion is we turn from self and we turn to God. We turn from being dead in our trespasses and sin to become alive because of the gospel. Repentance is a good word. Turn from and turn to. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Always, when, I, when, I, when I think about that verse, I always think about Jesus standing there with, with outstretched arms like this. And I think about it now in my, my mind. I, I can see the, the, the nail scars in his hand and his feet. And he's saying, listen, come to me. You want to come to the Father? Now, here's the thing about other religions that I wish we could get. I don't know why we struggle so much with this. There's this this idea that Christianity is a way and there are all these other different ways and all these other different ways can eventually get to God. That sounds great. You know, write it on a Hallmark card. That's sweet and great and it will cheer everybody up. Can you imagine peering at Golgotha and seeing Christ die on a cross for our sin and go, well, that's one way. No, that's the way. That is the only way to God is through the gospel of Jesus. You don't call it something else. You don't say, well, if they, well, they just believe it with all their heart and be wrong. That's like, I've got a wife that's a teacher. Many of us as teachers, could you imagine somebody coming to you? Especially math teachers. But I want two plus two to equal five. It doesn't matter how much we want it to be right. We want, but but I want this to be right. It doesn't matter how bad you want it to be right. Right is right, and right is always right. Wrong is wrong, and wrong is always wrong. That's why we have the Word of God. There are a lot of religions out there, but there's only one Jesus Christ. There's only one Lord is salvation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. Now here, instead of getting upset about that as a world, we as a church ought to get excited about it. If we really believe it's the only way and that conversion needs to take place, our life would be different. Our words would be different. Our habits would be different. Our church life would be different. But I think one of the things that's haunting our nation now, if we've gotten away from that, 
Christians have become the minority. Everybody else has all the other rights. It's the Christians that don't have the rights. And we hoop and holler about that. I'm going to tell you how it happened, the way the churches lived their life out. We lost our influence because we stopped being people of influence. We stopped believing the gospel is the gospel is the problem. The gospel is the gospel. John 1, 12, one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite 10,000 verses. Maybe it's because I'm a football guy. But as many as received him, to him he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Now I watched a football game yesterday in Kansas City. Northwest Missouri State, national champions. Amen. Played North Alabama. Anybody else see that game? What do y'all do on Saturdays? Y'all don't watch football? Y'all must be reading your Bible and praying or something. I was off at Longwood Key at my wife watching football. Okay. It was miserable conditions. Negative snow. They didn't bring the bands. They didn't bring the, they were going to bring the kids to play on the bus, student. They said, no, this is miserable. And I was weeping, thinking, oh, my goodness, how miserable to be playing out there. Everybody, everybody had alligator arms trying to catch and tackle. That means your arm's about that long. You just can't do anything. And it was a horrendous passing attack on one of the teams. And, you know, and, and I think about that as a pastor a lot. We debate, what is a catch? We, we, we see it, we grab it, we secure it. Catch, tuck, and score, we always say. Catch, tuck, and score, let's go, you know. What does it mean to receive the gospel? Oh, I believe in that. All in favor, all amen, we believe in the gospel. To as many that received who Christ is. For as many who understand what Christ has done. To as many who understand what that life means. I think about that. And it's the idea I need to. The idea I want to. It's the idea I have to. That's what I love about a, a giving a, somebody an opportunity to come to Christ. If I've got to trick them into it, is it really worth it? It would be like marriage. If, I've got to, if every couple that came to me with marriage and I said, this is the greatest thing in the world. Is it not? It is. And I'll tell them, you're going to get married, and this is the great. You'll never disagree. You hear people say the honeymoon, the honeymoon lasts forever. This woman is going to love you more tomorrow, uh, six years from now, you know, and you'll be going, well, not exactly. Marriage takes work. Marriage takes sacrifice. Marriage takes commitment. Marriage is the sweetest thing in the world, but it's like raising kids. Raising kids is the sweetest thing in the world too, but it's hard work. When I share the gospel, I used to be very pushy. I was a salesman. Sharing to tell you this, I was a salesman. Mind if I come in just for a few moments? I'd like to share with you the greatest news I've ever shared. You can die today. You can, I mean, I, and I would even pick up that evangelist up and down and up and down. You can repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. You know, oh, by the way, I'm not leaving you to do what I want you to do. And I'm going to stay in your house all day. Amen. God, amen. Another one came to know the Lord. Amen. Woo. I think I'm going to start giving soul winning class. Hey, ho. And the Lord said, are you just peddling a vacuum cleaner or something? 
Is this miracle cleaning solution? Are you selling steaks off the back of your truck? I mean, what are you doing here? Can we not just take the word of God and say to people, you need to be saved. You ought to want to be saved. You have to be saved. When I look at at conversion, when I look at these things about receiving him, believing in his name, as an individual, you have to understand you need it and you want it. And you have to do it. I don't have to live out the Christian life because I have to. I have to live out the Christian life because I have to. I would have it no other way. I want to cling to the hymn of Christ because I don't want to do anything else. Conversion is you want to understand what it means to live for Christ. The Bible says that we make disciples. A conversion is the idea of a disciple. A disciple is a saved person learning to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm learning to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Would I have it any other way? No, I have to. Because I was once dead and now I'm alive. I cannot do it any other way. I love the word of God. John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess. That word confess means to agree. Have you ever been going through your life? Just going through your life and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, Oop, what about this? It happens to me all the time. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, shouldn't have looked at that. Oh, shouldn't have thought that. You know what confession is? When you go, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. Forgive me. Confession is agreeing with God. We hear the preacher talk about the gospel. We hear the gospel being proclaimed and we go, I confess my sin. I'm agreeing with God that I need his salvation. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. Why would he not be faithful? He's God. He's the great and glorious Lord that sent his son. He wants to forgive us our sin. If we are faithful to confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And how about this? He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Have you ever wondered why... Crazy drug addicts that get saved make some of the best evangelists and hot-hearted soul winners you've ever heard. I don't guess they have to be crazy to be a drug addict, but I'm just saying. I think they understand what has been forgiven them. Have you ever thought about it that way? There's something about older adults that have lived a carnal life and they just seem to be more zealous for the gospel because I think they've realized what Christ has forgiven them. I don't know when you came to know the Lord. I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. You may have grown up going to church and never done anything but church and you went to church and God opened up your heart and you became a believer in Jesus Christ. You think, well, the worst thing I did is stole my little brother's Pop-Tart when I was nine. You were still dead and in need of a Savior. When we realize what Christ has forgiven us and that he's cleansed us of our sins, it's washed away 
Everything has been forgiven when we come to Christ. And also in a progressive aspect, if we are living for the Lord and we're confessing our sins daily, now confessing is agreeing that something is wrong. Repenting is laying that down, forsaking it, and not wanting to pick it back up. We can't just say, I know this is wrong and keep doing it. He'll cleanse us. That's what makes the gospel so wonderful. You think our world's in a mess? Our world is in a mess. It has nothing to do with politics. It has nothing to do with the economy. It has nothing to do with the environment. It has nothing to do with global war and all that crazy stuff that is out there. Our problem with the world is the gospel. People need to repent of their sin and place their faith in Christ. They need to know that their sins are forgiven and that all their unrighteousness can be cleansed and washed away. That's what the world needs to hear. But they need to see people that believe it. I shared this story, and I, I, just, I like using this as an example. We don't do a good job. I will say this. We do not do a good job in our schools and workplace of fulfilling the Great Commission. Youth group years ago, we had a great idea. We want to give everybody T-shirts with our names on it, church name on it. We love Jesus, you know, so-and-so a church. Wear them all over the school. That backfired. What happened then? They get to school, I realize, you mean so you, you act a certain way in the youth group and then you act a certain way at school? Yep, they do. Guess what we did? Turn your shirts back in, please. You're doing more damage than good. Isn't that sad? We're out there in the workplace. All your sins are forgiven and you'll be cleansed and wiped away. Well, then why do you keep doing it? The reason we don't share the gospel more passionately because I think we don't live the gospel out more consistently. I love telling people I'm a pastor. I'm not one of those that says, well, I just want them to think I'm a normal guy. I am a normal guy that happens to be a pastor. I'm just as goofy as you can be. You're just as goofy as I am. I want to be a normal guy that loves the Lord and is a pastor. Now, in doing that, I make well sure that I don't act like I'm not a Christian. I don't act like I'm not a pastor. I try to live the life and act the life out because I want people to know I am a pastor because to me, that's great accountability. You know how many times on a Friday night helping coach football, I want to remind an official that he needs to go to the eye doctor? Every now and then, our head coach will look over at us as coach and go, keep my shut, I got this. I'm like, I want to say something so bad, coach. You know, deep down inside, before I say something or think about saying something, it's real good that we remind ourselves, I am a Christian. And I want the walk that I walk and the talk that I talk and the way that I worship to be consistent. Some of us need to get over, need to be more consistent. The letter E, eternal life. We can have eternal life beginning today. Now, I love eternal life because you know when eternal life, if you really think about it, eternal, we all have eternal life. You can be here and lost as a golf ball in high grass. You've got eternal life. Where's that eternal life going to be? Hell. We've all got eternal life. And so the moment that I got saved, it's not like, well, when I get to heaven... Oh, my eternal life, the moment that I gave my life to Christ, you want to talk about having life. That's when life begins. I'm like, yes, I'm a child of God, blood-bought, redeemed child of God. 
He who has, 1 John 5, 12, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. You know this. You could probably go back and listen to sermons. One of my favorite words is joy. I love joy. Happiness is getting what you want even though you don't need it and you just, it's temporal. Happiness is temporal. Happiness is a college football fan if their team wins. That's happiness. Joy is, it doesn't matter what's going on, I've got joy. Joy is not allowing circumstance. That drives me, I'm going to be real transparent now, that drives me crazy as a pastor. Matt makes fun of me all the time. I make sound effects during the week. Let me tell you my sound effect for a Baptist. I'm going to pick on Baptists because I've been preaching on who we are. Let me tell you what my sound effect is, a joyless Baptist. And that's didn't that some some people not here other Baptist churches? Ah. Well, uh. He said, "You really got that down to an uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna feel bad. I'm gonna start talking like that." Ah. Isn't that tr- that's a life of no joy? Ah. Ah. Well, my co- well, everybody. It's, it, we look at circumstances. Ah. I want to look at circumstances and go, yes, yes. This isn't going the way I wanted it to go. But I'm a child of God, and my sins are forgiven, and he's got a plan, and I'm part of that wonderful process. I'm his. Life began the moment the, the moment I repented of my sin and placed my faith in Christ. I started following Christ, and I am his. I've got a life. I've got a new life. That's where you find our joy. We may weep. We may mourn. We may get aggravated. We may be frustrated. But we have to understand that we have life. And life is full of joy. 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and 17. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Where does lack of joy come from? Me, me, me. Ah, They did this to me. My life isn't going well. I can't believe this is happening to me. We don't longer live for ourselves. But for him who died and them who rose again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Christ. But if you've never responded in faith to Jesus Christ, are you ready to do that? Is there, you know, you you think about it. God, rebellion, atonement, conversion, eternal life. For by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works that any man should boast. It is by grace that we have been saved, that we repent of our sin and place our faith in Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Do you truly understand that you have repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ? Not that you did something years ago, that you don't really know what you did, but it was every, you know, I'm not talking about that. Now, we may have done something years ago that we really meant, but we've gotten away from. That's why it's so important. I want to talk with you. But I want you to know without a shadow of a doubt that today you know that you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ. 
And if you are a Christian today, we should never get tired of listening to the gospel. We should enjoy the gospel and embrace grace every time we hear it. We ought to be reminded of the greatness of God. And we ought to be reminded of what our rebellion meant. And we need to be reminded of what atonement is all about. That we are forgiven and that we can turn and follow after and turn to Him. And that we have life. That's grace. Have you responded in faith to the gospel? Maybe today is that day. Are you ready to receive the grace of God and begin to live out the Christian life? I don't know why I came up with this. Years ago I wrote it in an old Bible, one of my first Bibles. I wish I could remember exactly where it came from. I just sat down and wrote these five statements. I think of what it means to come to Christ. To believe on Jesus Christ. To come to Jesus Christ, to trust in Jesus Christ, to live for Jesus Christ, to follow after Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Not some intellectual facts that we've checked the box to, but we have come to, that we have trusted in, we have believed on, that we have lived for, and that we're following after Christ. Those wise men came and they saw Christ and their life was changed. We don't know about them salvifically. The shepherds, they saw Christ and their lives were changed. When you meet Christ, your life changes. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Let's stand as we pray. Lord God, we thank you for the gospel message found in your word. We are thankful that just as I am, you came and we can come to you. That the chains are broken because of the shed blood. Lord, I pray today that as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we enter into these next couple of weeks, that the day would be the day of our salvation, that the day would be the day that we would let go of that sin and rebellion in our life and we would respond, that we would receive you, that we would be broken over our sin. And follow through with obedience. Lord, we love you. We thank you for doing that which we could not do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.